Looking good, looking good. Like you know we should. Looking good today. You're listening to the Iron Mike Keenan Podcast. We're the five going strong. We can do no wrong. We're looking good today. Welcome to the Iron Mike Keenan Podcast, episode number eight. Scott Morrison along with the coach, Iron Mike. How are we doing today, Mike? Excellent. Just excellent. Enjoying the cold Canadian air. Well, we've got a real special show. Um, now, over the years, you've had some favorite players, guys that you could rely on, guys you like to have, guys who are part of winning teams. You had Brian Noonan was along for a couple rides, Stefan Mateau, and our guest today, Greg Gilbert. Tell me, Talk to me about Greg first. Yes, uh, I was uh, in Chicago when we uh, acquired Gibby. Uh, from the New York Islanders in a deal uh, with Bill Torrey at the time. And he came uh, with a well-experienced uh, values of winning, win- winning the Stanley Cup with the Islanders. So we felt that it was important to have people in the locker room that had the experience of winning. Uh, we go back to Philadelphia, for example. No one in, in the locker room had ever, ever won. Even Mark Howell was the most experienced player, but no one had won so we wanted to acquire some people uh we got brent sutter in the locker room after who had won as well and and uh, gibby was a very important part of that process of building the team well and he followed around the rangers st louis we'll talk all about that and now we welcome our guest greg gilbert greg how are you thanks for being here i'm doing great gentlemen thanks so much for having me on so as we mentioned you had three stops starting chicago with mike rangers Obviously, great story there in St. Louis. So talk about what it was like with going from team to team with Mike. Well, it was, uh, I mean, it was, I was very fortunate to play under Mike, and, and I've always said that. And I know a lot of players uh, <laughs> think differently about <laughs> Mike's coaching style, but, um, you know, you always had a chance to win, and, and that's, what, uh, that's what any player wants. And, you know, the demands are put on you, there's no question, and, and Mike's good at putting demands on, there's no doubt about that, but... Um, you just knew you had a chance. I knew I had to get out of New York uh, with the Islanders. They were going through, a, you know, their rebuild, I guess you could call it back then. But there were some younger players coming in, getting ice time uh, ahead of me. And I didn't want to end my career that way. So I don't uh, – I was very fortunate to be picked up by Chicago. And, and it wasn't easy. I mean, there's no two ways about it. I, I played for Al Arbor, and uh, Terry Simpson was another one, and then Al came back. But uh, Mike <laughs> – Mike was a new experience. Let's put it that way. And, <laughs> in in what regard? Remember, I, got, I got the story to say the first time that I ever played for Mike, I, I was actually traded. Um, you know, Mike had talked about the trade, but I went from the Islanders to uh, Chicago. And uh, the night before the trade deadline, we were in Winnipeg. And I was killing a penalty, and I slid in front of a shot by uh, Freddie Olison and blocked a shot in the foot and I knew something was wrong but you know we x-rayed it when we got back and uh, there was no fractures so the next day the deal was made so I go to Chicago and uh, you know I'm hobbling along the foot swollen and and I get in there in time for practice Uh, I believe we were playing Jersey that night and (laughs) so I go for the pregame skate and, and having a hard time stopping because Mike always wanted you to stop and start and not turn and uh, I said, yeah, you know what, it, it'll be fine to go. So we taped it up and what have you that night. And that night, uh, I think we were leading by two goals going into the third period, like 4-2 or something. We ended up losing 5-4 or 6-4. So everybody kind of knew that the next day was going to be a, 
and, and not so pleasant day. So, so <laughs> sure enough, it was it was one of those Mike's bag skates, and uh, the first one I ever ever experienced. And we got about an hour into it, maybe not even an hour into it, and and I I couldn't stop. I was just dry even over the bench. So Mike just thought, uh, you know what? That's that's enough. We'll call it. So. Anyway, I was fortunate enough to stay there. He didn't uh, they didn't cancel the uh, the deal and send me back. Uh, I went into a cast and you go from there. Sure enough, there was a bone or two busted, but uh, Mike kept me there, and I was very fortunate uh, that that decision was made and, and have that opportunity to play with not not only a great coach but a great group of guys in that dressing room. Well, let's you you mentioned playing for LR, but let's start. You know, I covered you in junior hockey with the Marlboros, and you got drafted by the Islanders. Uh, cracked the lineup uh, after partial year in the, in the minors uh, won two cups with some really great teams there a dynasty talk about those teams and what it was like playing for Al well Al was Al was great and um, you know it was a good thing to it was disappointing to be sent down I had a good training camp but that's that was the process that uh, pretty much every Islander went through for the most part and I went down and uh, into Indianapolis where Freddie Creighton was the head coach and got my opportunity to play and learn how to be uh, to be a pro on and off the ice and when I did get recalled you know playing for Al he was he wasn't a yeller and screamer uh, because you never wanted him to yell and scream but he got his point across in in many different ways and you know learning the game from him but uh, was was outstanding for me as a young kid and, and you know you think you know how to win as a, as a young player coming in you're, you're cocky and confident uh, but really you don't know how to win at that level especially and um, you know, to this day, I've always said that I was so fortunate to, to break into that lineup. Um, I knew it was going to be a tough uh, situation to try to crack it, but they made a hole uh, by, by moving somebody out and made a spot for myself. And I came in and, and was so blessed to be able to play beside and with those guys and watched how they, they, they practiced and watched how they prepared and watched how they worked off the ice and what it meant to be a pro and um, a great group of, of men that I learned from. Uh, a lot of fun in the dressing room. I mean, we had our blast too. There's no two ways about that. But when you walked out that door to go to the, the, uh, the ice for the game, boy, the game faces came on. And um, the expectations within that dressing room were you know, between one another. Uh, the demand was put on each player by each player, and um, you know that's that's really where I learned how to how to win and what it took to win, and what it took to stay in the lineup night after night. Gibby, I think that you're referring to the culture uh, of, a, of a team and personality of a team, and and I I recall uh, coaching against the the Islanders when I was with Philadelphia, particularly when the same division. But uh, um, how how would you describe that? group of guys in terms of the culture the expectation as you said the onus was put on each player by the players at the same time the leadership had to be there the culture had to be developed somehow along the way maybe through al's mentoring everyone over time but they had learned the the ingredients of for winning which is a big part of the preparation of getting prepared to play each and every night. So was there a particular uh, group of guys or one or two guys in that room that you could compare to the experience you had in Chicago? And, of course, we can go on and talk about the experience of winning again in New York on the island in New York City. But were there people not like, was it Potfam? Was it Trache? Was it Bossy? Who, who were the people that were setting the example or, or putting the demands 
on the group like maybe Chelios did in Chicago? Well, and you know what, Mike, it, it was a, a group uh, collaboration. It was, I mean, Denny was a good leader and wore the C, but it was it was the, the Clark Gillies and the Brian Traches and the Mike Bossies. And, I mean, you could go right down the list. They had so many leaders in that dressing room. And I think, um, you know, the, the – the things that that I saw in every team that I was forced to play for, play for, especially under yourself and, and Al, was it was it was a group leadership. It wasn't just one guy. There was no one guy that stood up and yelled and screamed. I think I, I don't think anybody in that room really did. The, the demands were there, and you had to meet them. Uh, but they, you know, within that dress room, there was ways that it was going to be dealt with if you weren't performing. And um, I mean, you, you look at that team and. Everybody was a leader for the most part, uh, you know, especially the older guys. You got the Tonellis, and I, I mean, like I said, I could go right down the list, and, and it's the same in Chicago, and it's the same in, in New York with the Rangers. It was it was a group atmosphere uh, of of leadership, and you know, you respected the older guys, you learned from the older guys, and trust me, your eyes and your ears were wide open whenever they were speaking. Who matter, didn't matter who it was, uh, because they had been through that process of, of sticking together as, as young players being drafted into the Islander organization and being brought along. They've, they've had their, their kicks in the teeth. Uh, you know, the one year they, they had a great season and get beat out first round, I believe, by Toronto. And they've been through that process of, of what it takes to win and what it, what it means to lose and the feeling of, of both. And, uh, you know, they, they brought that to the rink every day. And there was no better group to learn from. And, and like I said, Chicago, when I, when I got to Chicago, very very similar i mean you had you know muzz uh, troy murray and, and dirk graham and you know guys like that bob murray that's, that's that had been around the, the chicago organization for a long time and and had that leadership within them uh you know to, to show guys you know this is this is what the blackhawks are all about and and you know mike was mentioning that you know they had to bring people in to to you know continue to build that what, one of the other guys was the dwayne sutter who came? Yeah, and Dog. I mean, Dog coming over from, and you know, when Brent came over, also. Yeah. I mean, guys that have been a part of winning, and and you know, Brent was a, a probably a top a top six forward, but Dwayne was one of those guys that was a dirty guy, a, yeah. a grinder, just a, a battler, and uh, you know, you need those people, and uh, you know, the way Mike built the team and and uh, Pulley built the team in Chicago was very similar it was just bringing in the pieces of the puzzle that needed to be there and they're not only always top-end skill guys it's uh people that have gone through that process that understand the you know the feeling of, of getting kicked in the teeth and and also the feeling of what you had to battle through to get to the top and, and ultimately win a championship and uh he did a great job doing it i remember one example of Dwayne. there was a, a photo we put in the dressing room of the stanley cup and it was enclosed in glass and in between one period, I don't know, Gibby, if you recall this, but he got up and he smashed that pitcher with his glove yeah. as hard as he could. And he, glass was flying everywhere. And he was making a point, this is what we play for. This is what we play for. So there was some guys that were in the, in the organization that didn't have that focus. And uh, there was a good example. And Gibby, again, another man that had won the cup could bring to the that that uh, expectations to the group which was very very important in, in the learning process of how to get there well and you know what mike i think that was a great step and in, and in, in part of that process that you know dog smashed a lot of things there's no two ways about it uh yeah and, he and did. the picture was one of them but uh i think it was a sign that that you know 
you can have your coaching staff and you can have the expectations from the coaching staff, but where a team really becomes a championship team is when the coaches aren't around. And, you know, it's off the ice, it's on the ice, but it's in that dressing room, you know, when you're when you're going to, to battle, uh, you know, night after night and, and the way we have to play and the way we have to play for each other. It's not just, you know, some guys are going to get their points and have a great year and then, you know, you're, you're short of the, the, the playoffs, you don't get to the postseason. Uh, that team over time came together that it was going to be we're, we're battling for each other. Our, our, our skill players in Chicago were battling just as hard as the, the third and fourth line guys and the you know the, the five six defensemen every night. It was it was everybody pushing each other and everybody expected to push each other. Excuse me and uh, and get the job done night after night. What was the transition like going from an Al Arbor to an Iron Mike? Oh. <laughs> Well, <laughs> different was, different coaching styles. That's the way you put your, it. <laughs> your your reputation preceded you for sure. I mean, I think every every player in, in the National Hockey League when you were in Philly and then went to Chicago were going. I don't want to go to Chicago. I yeah. don't want to go to Chicago. <laughs> but you know, it's it's you get there and the change was was Al was a little quieter. He didn't he didn't really yell, and Mike was a little more vocal. And you know, I think Mike. Uh, he just wanted to get some kind of reaction from you. He, he wanted to get either positive or negative, but it, either way, it was still a reaction. It was trying to get the, the blood pumping, the adrenaline going one way or another. And uh, Mike was a master at that. And there's some guys that can handle it and some guys that can't. And the guys that, that couldn't are usually the ones that were moved on and other players brought in that could handle it that Mike knew. And, um, you know, they, it's, it's, it's pushing everybody up from the floor. And, uh, and demanding more than what Mike, Mike made players and, and including myself uh, believe that they could do more than they actually thought they could and you know the tough practices were you know, trying to build that mental toughness and can you know you can't go anymore well sure you can we're going to be here another 15 20 minutes so you just keep going and you keep going and you keep going and then you get into the games and the games are almost easy and uh, that's the way we came about in Chicago and it's uh, it's the same way pretty much we came again Mike was a little quieter in New York in 94, but uh, the, the same demands were still there. But in that dressing room in New York, uh, I mean, you look right down that roster and everybody was there for a purpose and a reason. They knew exactly what they had to do and there wasn't a lot of prodding that needed to be done. So, um, I mean, that's that's Mike's mastery right there. He, his demands are high and when he sees you doing it, then he can sit back and watch. Well, let's talk about that 94 Ranger cup winning team it was a very interesting season in so many ways Mike gets brought in like you win a president's trophy you're, you're sailing along in first place all season and then you get to the trade deadline and make five acquisitions like a quarter of your roster was overturned at the trade deadline well yeah. it, it was part of uh, what we felt the ingredients were and, and uh, we had players in the locker room that won the cup now uh, some on several occasions and they knew what the ingredients were, but I had the 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 experience by that time, uh, having been defeated in Philadelphia and in Chicago, and you you learn as a coach too what the ingredients are. And I thought we were just not going to be big and strong enough to play against New Jersey, and as it turned out, we hardly beat them. But yeah, we acquired Noonan and Matteau. We needed bigger, stronger wingers. Uh, acquisition of Anderson, who was a very experienced winner. Gibby had won a huge acquisition. McTavish. McTavish. Mac T. That was a whole line, a whole 
three guys that were going to form a line or be part of that group. And then another huge acquisition that nobody realized how good he was was Steve Larmer earlier. So, uh, you know, we picked up uh, Karpatsov, God bless his soul, and and, uh, we had uh, Dougie Litzter, and we had a group of people that were... There was no selfishness in them at all, as as Gibby pointed out. They they all had a purpose. They all knew that they were meaningful to the team, that they had a job to do. Uh, some obviously are more talented than others, but uh, again, as we talked to Greg, who had the experience of winning with Al in Ireland and then building a team in Chicago that goes to the finals and then acquiring him in New York and, and building a team again, uh, yeah, we we made changes, but and uh, they were that those were tough demands that we put on Neil Smith. But ultimately, I said, Neil, we we can't win. Our job is to win the Stanley Cup here, and we need those we need those players to come in to help us. Well, Gibby, let me ask you: How did as a player, and obviously you had the pedigree of winning a couple cups with the Islanders prior to that. Um, as a player at that point in the season. Did you feel the same as Mike, that the team, as good as it was, wasn't going to be good enough to necessarily prevail in the springtime? You know, in a way, yes. And I think there's a lot of people in that dressing room that felt the same way. And and this isn't to, to slight or disrespect the, the players that were traded, uh, you know, for the players that came in at, uh, by no means, because they were, they were great players themselves. But there was, you know, th- there's decisions and and. You know, assessments made through the course of a season uh, when you go through that situation where you see, yeah, we're still winning, but there's still some, some weaknesses or holes, and, and weaknesses is probably the wrong one uh, word to use. But um, in that dressing room there, you can feel it. And whether it's it's not pointing fingers at anybody or anything like that, but you can feel it. There's, there's something, you know, there's something not there. Or there's something just it isn't there to put us over the top, so to speak. And, and that's the, the general managers and the coaches jobs um, to, to do that assessment through the course of a year. And they're tough decisions. Cause like I said, all those players that we moved out were, were outstanding players and it's tough. But if you feel the pieces that you're going to bring in for those players that are departing are the ones that are going to fill that gap and fill that void that you think is missing right now, uh, then you go ahead and you pull the trigger and that's what happened in New York. And obviously it worked out and, you know the players that came in and you you guys have, have already named them outstanding players and they've been through the battles and they know what it takes to win and that's what they brought to our our team is that winning attitude and and the willingness to do whatever it takes to get there i think they had the experience uh mato and noonan <clears throat> hadn't won but they've been to the finals and they, yeah and they were well trained and they knew what they were getting into they knew the coach they knew the coach <laughs> Uh, they knew what the expectation, but they were also embraced by the group. And Gibby can uh, comment on that, but there was, it seemed seamless. Like they came in, it was like they were there all year. And uh, because uh, the team was so respectful of each other. And uh, I think, uh, as Greg just pointed out, that they, they felt even more confident about the prospect of winning a cup and fulfilling those expectations that were did, being put upon them. But the, the pressure was, uh, you know, to, to be winning uh, in New York to, to win this, the President's Trophy. And then uh, we had won the President's Trophy in Chicago and President's Trophy in Philly. But this city now was 
poised well, well, and ready. Let me ask you both. Did you feel like 1940 was the last cup? We all heard the chants, 1940, when you go to the island especially. But did you as coaches and players feel the weight of the curse of 1940? Gibby, you can uh, address that first. But... You know what? Yeah, uh, I, I don't think so in the dressing room. Like, I, I personally didn't because it's, you know, you, you believe about the curse and all this other baloney. And, uh, but you look in, in that dressing room and, and, you know, Alex Kovalev at 20 years old is, has grown so much through the leadership and, and mentorship of, of Mess and, and Gravy and all these other guys that we had in the dressing room. And, you know, Mike mentioned uh, Potsy, uh, God rest his soul. And, you know, we had Zuby and all these other guys and, and the mentorship in that dressing room, the leadership, uh, we knew there was something missing. And, you know, you, you hear the story, Scotty, and you would know as, as a writer, um, and, and being in the media, you hear the inklings uh, around a team that says, you know, maybe maybe we need this, we need something. And, and the players kind of just sit and wait for something to happen. And it's not just a, a shake-up for the sake of a shake-up, but, uh, the, you know, the, the, the championship teams make the right moves at the right time and bring in the right pieces of the puzzle. And that's what I think we were sitting waiting for in the dressing room. And, and like Mike said, when, when – you know, Steph and, and Larms came in and, and Nunes and, and guys like that came in and, and obviously Mac T and, and Andy. Uh, you're looking at, at guys with championship mentalities and guys with rings and there were some guys without rings, but they knew how to get there. And, um, and you, you already know, had Messi. The 1940 thing, no. I, I think our, our team, once those moves were made and the confidence level in our team grew, uh, I think that was just put out of everybody's minds we were we were pretty confident in knowing that every night if we just go out and do our jobs as individuals but also as a team uh good things are going to happen and i think that's the process that that we went through that maybe kind of pushed us over the top well i was going to say I, I agree with that like i didn't feel any pressure about uh the curse or 1940 whatever uh I, and i referenced that there was a lot of pressure on the team there's a lot of now uh built-in excitement for the team they were doing so well and then of course the pressure point could have been why would you break this team up you're in first place and the average fan doesn't fully understand what it's going to take and and i can remember kevin Lowell the next day after the trade he comes in and says well high risk high return here we go so well you had two well you had a game six against jersey that was, yes you know mess i'll have to ask you gibby Messier, the guaranteed win night what was your reaction to that first you know it's uh when when mess made that 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 type of comment i, I think it was it was more forget like because we were starting to, to think you know maybe 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 and it always creeps into your head and, and no matter how hard you try to to, to battle it and keep it out there, there's always that that little dot sitting in the back of your mind and what if uh and i think we were going through you know a game or two there where it was a tough series there's no two ways about it but but i think it was a way for mess just to rally us as a group that that uh you know his way of saying that you know what we're going to find a way to get this done we're going to all we got to do is win one game and then we'll worry about the next one i think that that really helped the group in the dressing room uh refocus and and um you know just 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 put it down to one night and obviously mess went out and had an, an unbelievable night for us uh and that's what leaders do and and he was a great captain and but i, th I think when he, he did that it was a way of of getting the rest of us to pretty much say you know take take your head out of your you know what and let's get going let's get back to work yeah here i think it resonated to get it done. I, th 
I think it resonated in the room that uh, what he was saying is that guys, we can do this. Yeah, we yeah, can do absolutely. This. So uh, let's not get uh, all disheveled about the loss or the situation we're in. Let's think about what we're going to do to get this done. And so, how important, Gibby and Mike? Um, you both talked about winning pedigrees and having that experience of, of battling through, you know, playoff challenges and winning series and winning cups. How important was it that spring when you got to a game seven, game six and seven against Jersey, and then a game seven in the final after you'd been up three one in the series? And you might not believe in curses, but a lot of people were after game six. How important was that experience to ride you guys through? Well, I, I think that, you know the the game six in in uh, in Jersey, and uh, you know must guarantee the win, and us coming out of there with the, the W, and then having an opportunity to win it at home, and, and obviously Steph Mato winning yeah. that one at home and in uh, in overtime. So, um, the belief was there again, I think, and and uh, the the Vancouver series was different. I mean, it, I don't think, to be quite honest with you, and and again, no disrespect to Vancouver, they were a heck uh, they had a heck of a hockey club, but. I don't think it should have gone seven games and we kind of let things slip a little bit and get away from what we do best and and uh, thinking that maybe a team was you know down three to one was maybe just going to shut it down and, and it didn't happen i mean the, the the character and the heart that vancouver showed in that series kind of you know they, they they kicked us in the teeth they they woke us up again and, and game seven was a battle like like no other and uh we found a way to win that one and um you know, your best players are your best players, and everybody battled together side by side. But uh, it's it's going through those experiences and having that belief that, that maybe we just had a little bit more belief than those other teams that, that we were going to do it. And, and um, you know, we found a way to get through those series and, and uh, come away with the hardware. But it wasn't easy. And, you know, even though you look at that team that we had in 94 and you go, well, how can these guys lose? Uh, the mental aspect of the game and your, your preparation and your – belief starts to waver at times and it happens to everybody the greatest teams that have ever played have had have gone through that and you learn from it and move on and it makes you stronger and i think that's what happened to us through the course of that season and especially through the course of that playoff season uh in 94 with the rangers i think that uh gibby alluded to it and talked about it but the building process of a group and and again it uh we reference as, as championships in the new york islanders as well but the same process, uh, the teams uh, are assembled, put together, evaluated, and, and uh, as he says, a youngster, they made a spot for him. They believed in him in the island to, to find a, a young kid and put him in the lineup, and, and that was just part of the building process. And I think the teams that uh, can finally win uh, are built that way, and, and there's going to be... The point I'm going to make is that do you know how hard it is to win, to win the Stanley Cup? That's incredible challenge. It's very challenging and very, very difficult, very difficult. And we experience it, and and Gibby explains why it's so difficult. The mental side, the wear and the tear, and uh, a bad break or a good break or a bad call or a good call and whatever those circumstances, you have to have fundamentally depth to overcome all the obstacles. And we had a lot of depth uh, on that team. Uh, the guys that didn't play much were really supportive, really ready to play. Doug Litzer goes in in New Jersey and played, what, for a few weeks? 
and yeah. Luka Boone gets suspended, and he went and he he played an unbelievable game, and so yeah. did Eddie Olchek. Olchek and he were unbelievable. So they they that was part of the demands of the group that they you stay ready. You're part of this team. You stay ready, and it proved to be uh, a very important part of the ingredients of that team. Now, I'd like to ask Gibby. I mean, we we go to St. Louis together. And and now we've got some great team, a great team there. And unfortunately, you can't win without a goalie. And Grant gets hurt. And, and you know, no disrespect to John Casey, who played as well as he could. He wasn't Grant Fuhr. So uh, that was in again the '96 playoffs when Fuhr got the, hurt when Steve Eisman scored in Game Seven in double overtime. Yeah. So again, it's the assembling of the group, and unf- that was one unfortunate incident that. This, you know, took our chances away as soon as Grant was heard. The team became a little bit hesitant in terms of their their defensive work, and and they weren't going offensively as 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 hard as or as much as they possibly could. Well, you've said, and some of the players have said, you know, how do you predict the future? But had Grant not gotten hurt in that Leaf series, you survived that one. Obviously, pushed Detroit. That that team might have won the Stanley Cup. Do you believe that? Well, the, the guy that uh, says it most often is Wayne Gretzky. He said, Pretty good source. Yeah, and he had played for winning teams as well. And, and Gibby would know we had a lot of uh, winning attitudes on that team and a lot of talent as well. And it's unfortunate that happened because you go with the core group and then you go with a group that are supportive and, and people understood. A lot of people in that locker room understood that what the what the ingredients were going to be what do you think Gibby? yeah i mean it was a tough one and, and even the year before when we lost to uh to vancouver in the first round i, I thought uh you know we we looked pretty good to be quite honest with you we had some young guys in, in la Perrier and chasse that were playing well and we had a decent uh, pretty good back end we had some you know kujas was coming up pretty big for us and uh, and you know, sure enough, we get shot down. I think that was the year that Shanny broke his, his leg or something. He did. Um, he did break his leg. Yeah. Yeah. His. And uh, you know, I thought we had a, a pretty good kick at the can, or opportunity to have a kick at the can that year. And there you go out the first round, and then the next year was just. I mean, I didn't play any of the games. I only played 17 games that season. Um, but it was. It was. You look around that dressing room, and you're going, "Yeah, we got a, we got an opportunity here," but. You know, things happen. There's 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 dynamics that come into play, and and uh, you know, losing the goalie, and again, like like Mike said, um, just to reiterate, no no disrespect to John Casey, but a bit of the confidence maybe have, uh, had come out of that room because if, if Jersey had been there, you know, everybody's feeling good about everything. There hasn't been any big uh, changes. Nobody's in the lineup or, or like, excuse me, out of the lineup that was a big chunk, but it did happen, and it was how we reacted to it and. Hey, Detroit find, found a way. You got to give them credit. There's no two ways about it. But um, yeah, that was that was a pr- pretty darn good hockey club there. Um, a couple quick things, and then we'll we'll let you go. But um, guys who have won multiple cups say each one has its own personality. You won two on the island. Ninety-four, you win. How special was winning in New York City, especially uh, with the Rangers, especially with the circumstances? Well. It- you know, Scott, it, was, it was very special and it was it was probably the one that I played the most in <laughs> let's put it that way because I was still fairly young for my first cup there which would have been uh, Islanders third cup 
Um, so you're kind of in, in and out of the lineup. So you feel kind of in, in 94, it felt, you know, a little bit more uh, a part of it, but, and, and it's not the slight that the, the two that I won with, uh, with the Islanders, but, you know, just, just everything that year is, is right from, from day one, the, the work ethic and training camp and, and going over and winch, winning the French's cup against, I think it was Toronto. I think we yeah. played Mike. Yes. And, um, you know, you, you, you go over there, you have some fun, get together as a team, you win that, then you come back. And just the feeling in the dressing room. And, and um, you know, we, we we were pretty good at keeping the, the white noise out and focusing on just what was happening in the dressing room uh, with each other, supporting each other and caring for each other and pushing each other. And, you know, when you have a team that can kind of isolate and put away, push away the the things that you hear outside and the the, the negative comments and and uh, you know like you said the curse and what have you um it, it's it's a great feeling because you know that uh, you've got a pretty mentally strong team so it, w- it was pretty special I, I knew on that team when when i first got there i mean and there was things that i had to learn about the you know how the way things were running and what have you but um when i've got to that, that team and and uh, you know three weeks to a month into it you're saying that, uh, boy, there's something pretty special here, and if we can just keep our, our heads on straight and, and keep that noise out, uh, every night we have an opportunity to win. All we have to do is, is play the right way, take nothing for granted, and we could we had the opportunity to win every night. Obviously, we didn't, but uh, we it was, won a lot, it's, though. It's, it's a confident feel. Yeah, we did win a lot, Mike, and yep. it was because, like, like you said, you you helped to instill that in us uh, with that one. You know, whether it was the changes made or, you know, the way you handled that group. I mean, uh, I said early in, in this, this uh, segment that, you know, you were a lot quieter in 94. And I think it was because you looked around that dressing room and there really wasn't a whole lot of guys to, to you know, not so much scream at, but really pull card. And guys in that room knew what they had to do for the most part. And um, so, you know what, you, you're... Your handling the reins of that uh, that that team was uh, a key part of us coming out there with the, the silverware at the end. I think uh, Brian Leach would say he wasn't quiet enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Mike Mike and Leachy had had their moments, and yeah. Mike's had some moments with a few other guys too. But for the most part, it was uh, for, for me going from you know uh, Chicago <laughs> to New York with Mike. Uh, it was I wouldn't say night and day, but it was pretty close to it. There was a lot of uh, uh, reason to be in a different place as a coach, and and you're talking to a player now, uh, Greg Gilbert, that played for me in different situations, and coaches can evolve as well, but I think it also is the, dy- the, the group dynamics, including the coaches and the players, and you you come to the conclusion or you, you see it and feel it that this group is is a pretty incredible group and uh, they didn't need as much maybe development they were they just knew they needed to be guided but they they knew what they had to do and I think Gibby spoke about it well I think as a coach if you have done a great job you really aren't needed the coaches can step back and the players really run the team and and become a group that can win on their own so let's talk about coaching, Gibby. Uh, you know, after your playing days, finished with St. Lou, you got into coaching at the junior level, the American League level, the NHL level with the head coach in Calgary. So were you more Arbor or Keenan? 
you know uh-huh. what? I, I think I was, I think I was a little bit of both. I mean, you, 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 you know, back then, again, this is in the, uh, you know, the mid '90s, late '90s, where you could still, you know, hold players accountable and 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 yell a little bit, but you can't you, you can't really yell too much, and they tune you out, as we've all heard that happens to coaches. But you know, over the years, you evolve and you understand, like Mike said, you know, you you, you learn and you grow as a coach and. You know, there, there's subtler ways to get your point across. There's there's other ways that that you can handle situations that maybe you you mishandled early in your coaching career. Um, but it all comes down to really trying to get the best out of your players. You want to create that relationship with your players, uh, but you know what? You, you have to earn their respect, and, and vice versa. The player has to earn the, the coach's respect. And I think when when that finally kicks into place, it's easy to see the players that you really don't have to say a whole lot to, as Mike mentioned. Uh, they they know they know exactly what what you expect from them and what they're capable of doing, and they understand what they have to bring every night. And and that's when you know the job gets easy. And but. The one thing I've I've learned in all at all levels is you you never stop teaching. Uh, you you always have to learn. You always have to adapt. And you know whether it's in your own style of play or handling of situations or you know doing things that that's going to help you you know hopefully have success and win championships against your oppositions. But you know you have to keep growing as a coach as well as the players. So one final question before you let you go, Mike was talking to me off air. Telling me, I've forgotten that he used to get suited up full gear for practices back in the day. <laughs> and he said that one practice he got, somebody flattened him, and he thought it might have been you. Is it time to fess no, up? No, 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 <laughs> no. Quite we, possibly, but no. we, we were uh, in Arrowhead. Cal- I, I wasn't quick enough to get away. Oh, yeah. We were in Arrowhead, California, in an outdoor <laughs> the roof was on top, but it was outdoors. Yeah. And I put the gear on, and I would divide the team, and then play half the scrimmage on one team and half on the other. But I think Gibby flattened me one day, so <laughs> it was always the... oh, it, was a, it was a little bump for gosh. Yeah, come on. But I, I'll tell you, now you're going down that road. I do remember in Banff. Do you remember that one? Yes. Dave Manson. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Mike was getting all over. Mike was was on Dave's case for for a few games, and so Mike suited up and gave uh, Dave an opportunity to get back at him. And sure enough, the old, <laughs> the old stick swinging and slashing started, and boy, was everybody's just chuckling except those two. And then finally, we kind of had to get in there and protect Mance from from Dave or from Mike. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of great stories, Gibby. Thanks for sharing your time thank you so much wonderful catching up you guys thanks very much for having me on it's uh, a real pleasure to be a part of it and you should be you should be uh uh, i think reviewed by this hockey industry to be part of it and you deserve to be a part of a, a winning pedigree and and super experience as a player and as a coach so uh we we will uh certainly look forward to your next entree into the game again well thanks very much mike i I greatly appreciate those kind words and yeah i'd love to get back in there's no two ways about it the passion never leaves you yeah well thanks again for your time and we'll be calling again all right sounds good guys take care thank you you too bye-bye bye-bye great guy yeah great as i say i knew him from junior days with the toronto marlboros and uh always been an honest player a great person yeah on top of a yeah. excellent player, so, yeah. and I think he's, I think I'd read that he's the only player to have 
won the cup, Stanley Cup, with both New York teams. Yeah. Islanders and Rangers. Right. So pretty special feat there. So winning breeds begets, winning, I guess. Eh? Winning begets winning. Yeah. All right. That's it for episode number eight. Yeah. Look forward to the next one.